Well, good morning. Man, as the video said, uh, Dan and I have been friends for years. We actually met 17 years ago in uh, grad school. Dan was the smart one. I was obviously the good-looking one. Um, that That was funny, guys. Come on. Uh, Dan and I, we, we became friends in grad school, but our, our, really our relationship began to grow when the two of us had the opportunity to plant a church together in, uh, in Arizona. My wife, uh, Danielle, joined Dan and Carolina to help start that church. And even though our paths have gone in different directions, our families still remain connected today. We remain good friends. And I don't just consider Dan a friend uh, of mine, but I also consider him my pastor. And uh, he has been someone in my life who's been a constant source of encouragement, someone who's challenged me to be the kind of leader, to be kind of man that God is calling me to be. And I'm so grateful for his, uh, his relationship and for his care, of not just for me, but for me and my whole family. And I know that if you've been here at Valley Real Life for a season, you know that to be true of Dan as well that he is someone who cares deeply about each and every one of you here, and he wants the fullness of what God wants for you in your life. And if this is your first weekend here at Valley Real Life, know that not just Dan, but the incredible staff here wants that same thing for you, that they're here for you to come alongside and help support you in what God is doing in your life. Uh, About six months ago, Dan reached out and said, hey, would you be willing to come out and, and, and hang out for the weekend and spend some time and, and, and talk to our church? I thought, man, this is great. I'd love to come and hang out and connect. What's the series, right? Because you always want to make sure you know what you're talking about. He says, the series is parenting. I'm like, okay, that's great. Like, I think I can do parenting. Like, I, I have some things to say about it because I have two kids at home. I actually brought a picture of my family. It's on the screen behind me. Um, it's my wife. Uh, we're in suits. And she, <laughs> that's my wife and myself and our, our two girls. Does everyone know where that's at? Central, do you have any Seahawks fans here? Yeah, I'm a Rams fan. Uh, but I'm a huge Pete Carroll fan, so we went to go visit, we call it Pete Carroll's house. Um, so this is my family here. So I thought again, like, okay, like speaking about parenting, I, I feel like I can maybe lend something to the conversation. I said, what specifically do you want me to talk about? And he said, discipline. I thought, great. Like, if there's one topic about parenting that can be pretty contentious, it's discipline. But I thought, okay, you know what? Uh, I would love to come out and to be a part of it. And so what's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about discipline and how we go about parenting and disciplining our kids. Now, here's some things. Uh, when you're a guest speaker, uh, you really don't know me. Like, you, you've never met me, and so... This is kind of one of those awkward first dates where I'm trying to figure out if I want to hang out with you and you're trying to figure out if you want to listen to me. Here's what I know. I'm going to say something over the course of our time together that's probably going to ruffle your feathers. You're maybe not going to like what I have to say. And the tendency will be when that happens for you just to kind of write off everything I'm saying. Like, I, I disagree. I don't agree with the style of parenting. And so, like, th- this is not for me. And here's what I would encourage you. I would encourage you when I do say something that bothers you to be open to it to lean in, to, to, to maybe be open to what God is trying to say through me and what he wants you or the Spirit is convicting you to hear or apply in your parenting. So let's acknowledge, like, it's, this, this can be difficult with a difficult topic, being a guest speaker. But there's also positives to being the guest speaker. See, I realize no matter what happens today, no matter what I say this morning, no matter how upset someone gets, I get to go in a, get in a car and drive home, and Dan gets to clean up my mess. So that's good, right? 
Before we dive into our topic together and our time together this morning, it's really important for me that we define what discipline is. Because discipline, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And so for the sake of, of us all being on the same page, this is how I want us to define discipline. That discipline is correction driven by love. That discipline is correction driven by love. That it's not something we do is like big, bad parents who want to remind our kids of their place in the family. It's something we do and it's driven out of this, this heart and a desire to love our children. Now, I recognize for some of us that could be hard because we don't often associate discipline and love together in the same sentence. For some of us, the reality is part of our upbringing, we've experienced the opposite to be true. Like we have not seen discipline and love go together. And so we wrestle to kind of understand it through that lens. But what I would say is discipline and love, they go together because God modeled it as two things that work together. This is what we read in the book of Hebrews beginning in chapter 12 and verse 5. The writer says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. What the passage tells us is that God disciplines us. And it's not something that we should joke about, that God leverages and uses discipline in love for us. He does it because he loves us. He doesn't discipline us because he despises us. Discipline has to be correction driven by love, which means discipline should never ever be correction driven by anger. That anger is not discipline. That anger is just anger. And we should resist any temptation that we have as parents to discipline our children when the motivation behind it is anger. This is what Paul says to the church in Ephesus in verse four or chapter four. He says, in your anger, in your anger, do not sin. That when you're angry, do not allow that to motivate any action that will cause you to sin. Do not allow that to motivate action that will lead to discipline of your children that you will later regret because you caused physical harm or emotional harm to your kids. Do not allow anger to be what motivates your discipline. Now, some of us have leveraged anger in discipline. I've done it. Some of us have experienced what it's like to be disciplined in anger. And we've seen the ugly side of discipline. We've experienced firsthand the ugly emotional impact of discipline, and we don't like it. Many of us don't like it. We don't like how that makes us feel. We don't like how we feel after it. And so what often happens is we have a tendency to pull away and kind of just decide, like, I don't want to discipline at all. Like, if that's what discipline is going to do, if that's what discipline is going to bring out of me, then I would rather not discipline my kids. And I get it. I get it. It's hard, right? Because kids have a way of making us angry. Like, they have a way of just pushing buttons that just bring a part of us out that only they know, is, right? Okay, just our kids, just us. <laughs> Everyone else? Yeah, who wants to actually come up here and teach? Uh, 
So our kids have a way of pushing buttons. They have a way of just getting under our skin. And so uh, that, that emotion, that anger, it starts to build. But we have to resist the temptation to leverage anger. We can't run from the responsibility of disciplining our kids. Solomon would put it this way in a collection of wisdom uh, writings that he has in Proverbs chapter 19. This is what we read. Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. I mean, Solomon talks about discipline in a hopeful way. And I believe it's because he sees discipline for what it can be, not for the reality of what it is for many of us. And here's what I've come to realize in my own life. That discipline is not something I do to my kids. Discipline is something that I do for my kids. I'm going to say that again. That discipline isn't something that you do to your kids. Discipline is something that you get to do for your kids. The author Zig Ziglar would put it this way. This is what he'd say. A child who has not been disciplined with love by his little world will be disciplined without love by the great big world. I mean, this is so true. If we don't leverage the opportunities that we have as parents to help correct our kids in love, at some point they'll grow up. At some point they'll move out of the house. And when they do, they'll encounter a world who's unafraid to discipline them. But when that happens, I promise you, it will not happen in love. So what are we going to do with this? How do we go about disciplining our kids in a way that makes them better? a way that is driven by our love for them. Now, as we wrap up this morning, I'm gonna talk a little bit about what some of those ways are, but before we get there, I'm gonna talk about some different parenting styles. Because the truth is, we all are kind of wired as different individuals, we parent differently, and each of these styles, they play a part in the way we actually approach discipline. So I kind of want us to understand where we're coming from. And so I'm not gonna have the time to hit every parenting style there is, but I'm gonna hit really three of them. Three big ones that I think many of us can actually find ourselves in. The first of those parenting styles is what we'll call lifeguard parenting. Lifeguard parents. These are the kind of parents that want to do whatever they can to rescue their kids, to prevent something from happening so that their kids don't have to experience the consequences of those actions. And and, and in a lot of ways, Lifeguard parenting is really driven by this desire, like if I can protect my kids, if my kids don't make the mistake, then they don't get the consequences and I don't have to do the discipline. And so we do what we can, we try to do whatever we can to make sure our kids don't make those big mistakes. And it totally makes sense because we love our kids, right? Right? (laughs) Dan told me you were a fun crowd. We love our kids. We should agree. We love our kids. Okay. So we love our kids and we don't want them to experience the pain from some of their mistakes. We don't want to have them experience some of the consequences of those actions. And so we do whatever we can as parents to help try to shield them from that, to protect them so that Johnny doesn't make that mistake that alters his life, that changes the way his future will play out. But the reality is when we do that, We rob our kids, we rob our children of the opportunity to learn from those mistakes. 
to experience some of the natural consequences of life. We, we try to rescue them before they drown. Now, now, my wife, she was a lifeguard for years. And uh, she would lifeguard pools. Thousands and thousands of kids would be there for rec swimming, enjoying their time. She would so often see kids struggle. She'd see them struggle, but only once in all of her years of lifeguarding did she ever have to jump in the pool and actually rescue the kid from drowning. Because the reality is more often than not, when the kid began to struggle, it would find the wherewithal, it would find, he would find his composure, he would remember or she would remember what they were supposed to do and find their way to the side of the pool. They figured it out. And the problem for us as, as lifeguard parents is that we don't give our kids that opportunity to struggle. We're constantly trying to save them. And when we save them, they never figure it out. When we save them, they never experience the ramifications of their mistakes. Paul makes this principle pretty clear. He writes this in the, to the church in Galatia. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In other words, God has set up this world with a system of consequences, if you live according to God's word, you will reap his blessings. But if you live contrary, if you live out of God's word, then you will receive the consequences that come with it. We have to be willing to allow our kids to experience the consequences of the decisions that they're making. A lot of us, many of us, would fall in that first category, that we are lifeguard parents. The second category I want us to talk about is what we'll call etch-a-sketch parenting. You guys remember what the etch-a-sketch is? Yeah? I brought a picture because I wasn't sure if everyone would know what the etch-a-sketch is. I brought it because I asked my kids, and my kids were like, what's that? <laughs> like this old, got newfangled technology that they can just draw with their fingers and stuff on... Anyways, so this is an Etch-a-Sketch. The Etch-a-Sketches were so much fun. I remember as a kid loving to play with my Etch-a-Sketch. If you've never done an Etch-a-Sketch before, those two little knobs, you can basically turn them. One's like for vertical movement, one's for horizontal movement. And you can draw things on the Etch-a-Sketch. Like you can create these great drawings and it's really just one line at a time. Hours of fun, endless fun on an Etch-a-Sketch. But what happens when you mess up on an Etch-a-Sketch? What do you do? You shake it. And when you shake it, it starts, oh, it's, the whole thing goes blank, and then you get to draw new lines, and you get new creations, new endless hours of fun. Now, here's the thing. Some of us have brought the Etch-A-Sketch to our parenting. And by that, I mean, like, we have drawn the lines. Like, we have drawn boundaries for our kids, but, but our kids step over that boundary or... We just get tired of enforcing that boundary. And so we just, we just shake it all up and we change the rules and we change where the lines are. And our kids are constantly trying to figure out what is it that's expected of them. We read these words in Proverbs 29. Solomon says, discipline your children and they will give you peace. Probably words you never thought you would hear together. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. Discipline your children, and you will have peace. But notice the passage doesn't say, uh, discipline your kid today, and then tomorrow, don't worry about it. Notice it doesn't say, hey, discipline them now, hold them to this line, but tomorrow just shake up the line and let them do whatever they want. Our kids... 
They want to know where the lines are. They want to know what's expected of them. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to push back against the line. But at the end of the day, just like us, we want to know what people expect of us. Now, I can be an Etch-A-Sketch parent. I, 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 can, I, can, I can do it. I, I get lazy. I, I decide I don't want to put up the fight anymore. Like many of you, I, I, work, I work full days. And when I'm done with work, I try to do the best I can to volunteer wherever I can, whether it's at the church or volunteer at my kid's school. I try to be an engaged dad, try to be a good husband. And just at the end of the day, like I am out of steam. And it's in these moments that I can just, I can just give in a little bit. I can see the Etch-A-Sketch parenting come out because I don't really want to deal with the hassle of enforcing the rules. And so when my daughter comes up to me and says, Daddy, can I have 15 more minutes of iPad time? It's like, fine, just take 15 more minutes of iPad time. And then like an hour and a half goes by and she says, Daddy, can I get another hour of iPad time? And it's like, I just, whatever, just, you just put yourself to bed, just do your own thing. Like, I don't, I don't even want it. Because I know if I say, no, you can't have it, then she's going to be like, well, I want, I, like, you get it, right? You've got kids. It's not the iPad, it's something else. Like we can fall into these styles. We can fall into the trap of what they bring. And this is why this is so important for us to understand that that Etch-A-Sketch parenting is not a great style for us to leverage. Because what it teaches our kids is that our rules are only temporary. And that following those rules aren't really necessary. That if the rules are constantly changing, if the lines are constantly changing, if the rules are being shaken up, it says to them that nothing is really a rule. Many of us will find ourselves in that parenting style. The last parenting style I want to talk about is what we'll call split decision parenting. And what this is, is this is a set of parents that are not unified in their parenting. They're not on the same page when it comes to raising their kids. They're not on the same page when it comes to disciplining their kids. The prophet Amos would say it this way in Amos chapter 3. He says, uh, do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? Pretty straightforward. He says, if you're walking together, you've obviously agreed to walk together. And as parents, if we're having kids, there's an assumption we should obviously agree that we are doing this together, that we are unified, that we're connected when it comes to raising our kids up and disciplining our kids, that there should be a connection and a unity in how we go about it. Now, I realize that's easy enough to say, but the world that we live in, it's, um, it's not always that easy because families don't always look the same. Some of us maybe are part of a divorced family, Maybe you've been divorced yourself and you're struggling in this season because your spouse has different ideas of how to go about raising your kid, different ideas about how to go about disciplining your guys' kid. So there's going to be this back and forth and this, this disagreement and this frustration because the two of you aren't aligned and united on it, on how to discipline kids. And here's what I would say. This is incredibly problematic for kids. Uh, I grew up in a house. My parents were divorced. And my parents kind of made the commitment that they would agree on the big things of life. But here's what we know. Isn't life in the details? And so it was all the little things that they wouldn't really agree about. And so I would go to one of my parents' house, and I would do something, and they would get upset with me, and they would ground me. So I get grounded. Like, you're grounded for two weeks. The problem was I would only be with any one parent one week at a time. 
And so I would go to the other parent's house and that parent would be like, well, I don't agree with that. Like, you don't have, you're not grounded anymore. Don't worry about it. Which would upset this parent. And then like, I would get in trouble over here and then I'd get grounded for two weeks and it would flip flop and it just went back and forth. Here's what I learned as a kid. If you're going to get in trouble, do it the last day you're at that parent's house. Like that's the time, right? Because then they'll ground you, but then you won't really be grounded at all because they won't disagree. They won't agree on it. And so you get off free. Now, here's what I would say. I understand this is easier said than done. That you aren't with that person anymore for a reason. That they were unreasonable. They had very different expectations in life. They wanted different things. Different expectations of what they wanted for your kids. I get that there was a reason many of us enter into divorce. But what I would say is you're not doing it for them. And they're not doing it for you that the two of you need to agree to do it together for your children. I know it's hard, but it's for them. And they're an investment worth making. Now, for some of us, we're actually, we're in blended families. And so divorce, then divorce has got remarried. And this is some of the things I hear in blended families a lot. I hear someone say like, well, that's my kid. Or someone does something else and someone will go, well, that's your kid. You discipline your kid. I leave my kid. I'll take care of my kid. But the problem with that is the Bible makes it pretty clear when you get married, two become one. That you become one. That you are united together. And so even though it's difficult, that's not your kid or that's not her kid. That all of these kids are yours collectively as a couple. That you are called to be united together in how you raise them and discipline these children. Now, you will disagree. Every single family unit disagrees. The commitment you need to make is to disagree privately. But when it comes to your kids, that you would publicly agree with one another. Some of us are split decision parents. Now, I didn't bring up these three parenting styles really to make you feel bad about who you are as a parent. I brought them up because I think it's important for us to see where we are as parents, to understand a little bit how that shapes how we discipline our kids so that we can move forward and learn about discipline in a way that is correction driven by love. And so as I wrap up our time together this morning, I really want to talk about just a few things, a few encouraging, hopefully, things that you could uh, apply in your life that I think will help you when it comes to disciplining your kids. And the first one of those things I would say is this, act promptly. Do not delay your discipline. When your kid does something, act promptly. Address the issue right then and there when it is an issue. Uh, my, my family, we got a puppy uh, 13 weeks ago. And so I was really excited to come on this trip because it's the first time I've slept in two and a half months. Uh, so if you've ever had a puppy, you, you know that they have a spiritual gift of pooping and peeing all over your house. And so we've had this puppy for 13 weeks and I could be having the greatest day ever and somehow my puppy has a way of just wrecking it in a moment. Like I'll be just doing something in the living room and out of the corner of my eye, I will see this like, like pile of poop in the kitchen. And I go from like happy to like incredibly upset in a matter of seconds. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I, I, I've, I've grabbed my puppy and I've taken him over to the poop and I've put his face down on the poop. I think I could actually say this here. I'm not in Seattle. If I was in Seattle right now, Peter would be waiting outside the door. 
Some of you are like, why do you have a dog inside? This is your fault. But I'll take my dog and I'll put his face down in, in the poop and I'll say, no, no. And he'll look at me like, what's going on? Because the truth is he pooped there in the kitchen like two and a half hours ago. Like I just came and saw it and realized it. He has no idea why he's being punished. He has no idea what's going on. Now here's the thing. We do the same thing with our kids. Hopefully we're not putting their face in poop. But our kids do something, because kids do something, right? Our kids do something, and we get angry. We can feel that a little bit. We, we get frustrated, but we don't want to act out of anger. We don't want to be those kind of parents, so we just stuff it. And then an hour, two hours, a day goes by, and our kids do something else. I had to discipline them for that. But I don't want to deal with it right now because I'm tired. I'm busy, so we stuff it. And then it just builds. And then ultimately our kids do something, and then we decide now. Now I have to discipline them for that action. The problem is you're not disciplining them for what they've done right there. You're disciplining them for the culmination of everything they've done over the past week, month, or year. And that's not, it's not a way to discipline successfully. It's not helpful for your kids. It, it's really, if we're being perfectly honest, it's driven out of our desire or, uh, or, or unwillingness to engage or laziness. And so if we want to be the kind of parents that, that love and correct our kids, then we have to be willing to act promptly. The second thing I would say is this, expect action. And by that, I mean immediate action. The first time you ask. And if you are just starting in this parenting journey, this might be the best advice for you. When you discipline your kids, expect them to respond right away. The truth is, for many of us who've already been on this parenting journey, we have made our fair share of mistakes. We have let our kids get away with way too much. And so this expect action, this first time action, it, it, it can seem like impossible. But notice, notice here what Paul says to the church in Colossae. He writes these words specifically to the children. In chapter three, he says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Notice it doesn't say, children, obey your parents after they've warned you several times. Scripture does not say, children, obey your moms and your dads after they say, cut that out, knock it off. Don't, not, don't make me count to three. I'm at one, I will get out of this chair. Two, I'm, I'm, wait till your father gets home. Two and a half. It doesn't say that, but that's what we do. That's what we do. And again, it's, it, we're tired. We work hard, but we've trained our kids. We've trained our kids that they don't have to be obedient the first time because we've let them get away with it. When the truth is God expects us to be obedient the first time. And if you aren't starting your parenting journey, this is not going to change overnight. You're going to have to explain to your children why this is changing. You're going to have to sit down with them. You're going to have to define and draw new boundaries and talk about how you've allowed them, how you have not done your job as parents. You've allowed them to get away with more than they should. And I know that's going to be a hard conversation because as parents, we don't like to be vulnerable. We don't like to show that we were wrong. But I can't tell you how much that's actually going to do for your kids if you show your vulnerable side if you talk about the mistakes you've made and you tell them why 
things are changing and why you want them to respond the first time. Because here's what you know. Here's what we know. When they grow up, they go out and they get into the workplace. When they're at work and they do something wrong, their supervisor is not going to say, Johnny, I'm going to count to three. And then when I count to three, then I'm going to come over and reprimand you for your actions. No, they're just going to get fired. So what are we going to do to help prepare them for the big world that they will step into? Which leads to the next piece. Explain your discipline thoroughly. Explain your, to your kids why you're disciplining them. Do not be afraid to have an adult conversation. I am amazed at my kids' ability to understand far more than I give them credit for. And so we sit down, and when they make a mistake, we sit down and we say, why did you do this? You know what they say? I don't know. <laughs> and you say, well, why don't you know? And you ask the probing questions. You get to the why, the real why that is driving them. And then you talk about why this matters. Like when you did this, you hurt someone else. And this is what, this is what God tells us about how we should treat other people. And this is why we shouldn't do this to other people. And then you talk about as a parent, like well, this, is, this is how it makes me feel. And this is why I'm sitting down with you. Ask questions, explain things thoroughly. Now, here's the thing. I'm married to a therapist. We ask a lot of questions at our house, but it works. It works. You then you develop a relationship with your kid. You understand why they, why they do what they do. You, they understand why you do what you do. Explain everything thoroughly. And the last is this. It's so important. Love abundantly. In discipline, be willing to love abundantly. The, the natural tendency for us in conflict is when conflict happens, we want to retreat. Again, because we don't like how we responded, especially if we did it out of anger. We don't like how it went. We don't feel good about it. And when we retreat, what we te teach our kids is it's okay for them to retreat. And so they get angry and they run into their rooms. We get angry. We go into the living room. And over time, that retreat leads to a chasm that develops in your relationship. It sets the standard. It sets the stage for what is normal in discipline, for what is normal in conflict. But we get to choose as parents, we get to choose as adults to be different, to respond differently, to lean in, to choose to love our kids abundantly, which means in the midst of our discipline, we're gracious with hugs. We're affectious with our words. We let them know that what they did does not change the way that we feel about them. It does not change how much we love them, just like what we do. Doesn't change how God feels about us or how much God loves us. If you really want to be the kind of parents that can discipline in such a way that is driven by love, that heals relationships, even in the midst of conflict, I would tell you to follow this way, to act promptly, to expect your kids to do something, to expect action, to explain to them thoroughly, and then to love them abundantly. Because remember, discipline isn't something that you do to your kids. It's something that you do for them. That we have this opportunity to help raise these kids up to be incredible leaders and women and men that shape the future of our society. But it starts with us, and it starts with our willingness to engage in correction that is driven by love. 
Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this important topic. And I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the way it challenges us, it encourages us to be more, to be better than maybe what we even expect of ourselves. And God, I pray that as parents, that we would be the kind of parents that would lean into discipline in such a way that it is driven by love, that it's driven by our heart's desire to make our kids better, not bitter. God, use us. Use us through our tired times. Use us through the difficult seasons. Use us through the frustration that may we see our kids with the same eyes, with the same heart as you see us. And when we pursue our kids with the same pursuit of your son after us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.